Hey again, Hills Church. Good to be back with you again. We're in week five in our series in James called More Than Words. And strangely, this really is the, the, the passage that I believe provides the theme for all of James. Here he has it right at the end of chapter two. This really is the sermon you want to do first if you're going to preach a, a series like this. But I you know, really wanted to go through James in the same order that he wrote it. And so that's why we had a sh- short intro on, on week one. And today we're going to go deeper into uh, the theme of what James is trying to say, you know, what his main point really is. Can I just do a quick reminder, though, on the context of this letter, because it's important for us to, to know the intended audience to help us to go deeper in our, in our understanding. And you'll remember in week one, I talked about the fact that James was writing this letter. To, it wasn't just to one church, it was to many churches, but it was primarily to those who uh, were filled with people you know, like him. They, they grew up as, as Jews. They were now believers in Jesus, but they were Jews. Whereas Paul, on the other hand, he would, he would often write to, to the Gentile Christians. And you know, they're, they're coming from two different places. This is the thing for us to understand. Paul's letters tended to uh, focus on, on the culture that the Gentiles were coming out of and what it meant to follow Jesus, you know, this idea of holy living, whereas James knew that his audience was kind of good with a lot of those things. You know, they, they did obey their parents. They, they, um, they, they're, sex, they're following God's uh, rules for sexuality. You know, they didn't murder and steal and cheat and do those sorts of things. They, did, they lived these respectable lives. They tithed. They went to worship regularly. They were generally good moral citizens. But James saw, you know, there's something not right. There's something missing. He wasn't just looking for people who were good at moral living, although that's important. He wasn't just looking for people with a stated belief in Jesus, not just their words. What he wanted his readers to understand was that there is an outward demonstration of our faith. You know, it's, it's bigger than words. If I was to apply that to the church today, I would say that this is a letter to those of us, you know, we, we know how to be good people. Maybe we grew up in the church. You know, we, we don't get drunk and take drugs and, and swear and we don't cheat and steal and, uh, you know, don't, don't sleep around, all those sorts of things. We pay our tithes. We go to church on Sunday. They're all good things, good Christian things. But, but James is asking us to look at something deeper than that. He was looking for the evidence of a changed heart. And, and as I said at the very beginning of this series, a changed heart is revealed in how we love others. So I say, this letter is for us. Let's read it. Well, we'll start reading it. We're, we're in chapter two still, and we're starting at verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do you? I'm just going to stop there. You know, I can hear this sense of frustration in James's voice. You know, obviously he's noticing something. He's seeing something in the church that concerns him. You know, the evidence or the real evidence of a change heart, maybe it's, it's missing. 
You know, he, the, these followers he's writing to, they can match the culture around them and live good moral lives, but something's missing. And here's the first point for today. The primary action of faith is love revealed through compassion. You know, when I looked up the word compassion, it says it's a noun, but I kind of like to think of it more as, as a verb. It's a, it's a doing thing. The example James gives is in verse 15 and 16. So we'll keep reading now. We're up to verse 15. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What, you know, what does that say? What good does that do? It's not how hard we serve the church, although that's, that's part of our good deeds. It's not how much we put in the offering, although that's important for our good deeds. Where the rubber hits the road as far as our faith in action is really concerned is humility and acts of love and compassion to others. And look, the Bible just says this from beginning and let me just give you some examples. Luke 6.31, do to others as you would like them to do to you. We call this the golden rule. This theme is all through scripture. This is the thing that James is saying we've got to get right. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging symbol and you know the, the last thing I, I ever want to be is just that noisy gong you, you know be good at stuff get things done get results but if I don't have love in the kingdom that doesn't mean anything just a noisy gong also in 1 Corinthians 13 three things will last forever forever faith hope and love but the greatest is love. John 13, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That was Jesus. Your love will prove. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Galatians 5, 6 says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. That's what's important. Not how good we are and amazing we are at things. Not how talented we are. Not even how often we're at church and things like that. What's important in it when it comes to faith is that it's expressed in love. Philippians 2.3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. You know, can you see what the scriptures are trying to tell us? There's, there's dozens more like this. In fact, probably more than dozens. There's probably hundreds of examples all the way through the Bible about this idea of being loving and compassionate to others. So in light of that, let's keep asking that question that we ask each week. Is it obvious to people that I love Jesus? If you're unsure, let me ask some filter questions to help you see where you're at on this question of is it obvious to people that I love Jesus? Number, number one, what would people say about my compassion for them? And for others, if I was to quiz a group of people and say, hey, actually, if someone else was to, to quiz a group of people about me and say, hey, let me ask you about Nathan's compassion towards you, what would they say? 
What would people say about the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in me? You know, do people say, yes, I see the fruit of the Spirit in, in Nathan. And there's um, patience and there's self-control. You know, are they seeing that in how they interact with me? Number three, am I a peacemaker? Or does conflict kind of follow me around a little bit? The next one is, when, when I see a person in need, am I moved to help them? Or do I just hope someone else will take care of it? The next one is, how often am I generous with my money, especially with those who are less fortunate than me? The next one is, do, do I play favourites or do I deliberately spend time with people who are different to me and listen to them? You know, that... That kind of comes from last week's message on, on bias. Am I quick to forgive or do I tend to hold grudges? Am I quick to get offended or am I willing to, to hear people and know they're not trying to offend me? Do I join in on discussions that put other people's down, that put other people down, you know, to denigrate people. Do, or do I remove myself from them? Or do I stop people from talking badly about other people? Am I a person that people associate with uh, joy? Or do I tend to be grumpy? Do people see something different in me that points them to Jesus? Do you hear what I'm saying? These are filter questions. They're They're questions just to reflect on about myself. You know, do we ever stop with, maybe even with a piece of pen and paper and just say, how do people receive me? And if you don't know, I challenge you to ask someone you trust to be honest with you about that. I ask those questions of me and I admit some of them are challenging to me still, but I bring them before God. And, um, you know, I'm aware of them and, we pray, and I pray through them and ask God, change me as I move forward. Number two, your faith revealed through compassion, you know, deeds and actions can actually play a role in someone's salvation. This is actually something that kind of jumped out at me when I was reading this passage. You know, that's how powerful your acts of compassion can be. You know, verse 14 said this, If you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? You know, it's a rhetorical question, but James is implying that the answer is no. When when our actions are missing or wrong, they're not going to lead people to God. But the opposite must be true. Acts of compassion can lead people towards salvation, towards Jesus. You see, church, faith in God is not just a set of rules to follow. It's a completely different life. Actually, it's a spirit-filled life aimed at transforming us into professional lovers of God and lovers of people. I'm just going to say it again. Faith in God is a spirit-filled life aimed at transforming us into professional lovers of God and professional lovers of people. Did, did you hear that? You know, that's who we are. 
And when the church is filled with professional lovers of people, it points people to God, to Jesus. The love people encounter in the church, and quite simply through us, that's the faith that will lead people to consider what is different about them. And they might consider Jesus. You know, our building plans are awesome. And I'm looking forward to them. But they don't save anyone. The church, filled with professional lovers of people, will. Because that reveals the gospel of redemption and makes it real to people. Let's keep going. Verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and it's useless. You know, we've already mentioned that in previous weeks, but it's worth mentioning again because it can be tempting to think from this verse that we can earn our way to salvation, but we can't. Just want to make sure you're clear about what James isn't saying. Salvation is through faith alone, through grace alone, not deeds. Deeds are the logical result of our salvation. You know, they, they um, are... When, we, when we're saved and we put our faith in Jesus, there is an outcome to this. It's a changed person. There's good deeds. And if the changed person isn't evident, we have to go back to the salvation bit, okay? The outworking of, faith, of our faith is works. You know, Martin Luther, he wasn't a big fan of James because he was concerned people would see a contradiction, but it's definitely not a contradiction. Jesus saves us through his death and resurrection. When we believe that truth and receive forgiveness for our sins and commit our lives to Jesus, you know, we're saved. And that salvation and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised us uh, changes us. You know, we are sanctified. We are made holy. It's that change that James is talking about. It's revealed in our character. It's revealed in how we love others. Let's keep going with verse 18. Now, some may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You know, if there's no evidence of faith, there probably isn't any faith. There's no way of making that sound any easier. I'm just reading the Bible, church. Verse 19. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? You know, acknowledging God alone doesn't mean that you have a real faith in him. The demons acknowledge God. So that doesn't equal a committed faith to Jesus. I mean, acknowledgement is good. Some people don't even do that, but our actions reveal our faith far more than our words or stated beliefs ever will. I think James is saying it well, though, so I don't think we're confused. Verse 21, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by stated faith alone. 
Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messages and, and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. You know, pretty strong words from James. So my last point today is this, number three. Your faith is revealed in your willingness to obey your Lord. Even when it's hard, even when it's something you may not want to do. Now, it's interesting that James uses you know, Abraham and, and Rahab as his two examples. You know, he, could have, he could have chosen uh, Moses, who, who led a whole nation out of captivity. He could have used Gideon you know, with a small army facing a huge army of Midianites. He could have used Daniel in, a, in the lion's den and so on. But no, he picks a time when God asked Abraham to do something, quite frankly, you know, we find unthinkable and a little strange. And he picked a time when a prostitute from an opposing country at war took a step of faith to hide the two men who were spying in her own land. But she chose to believe in their God and put faith in God in that moment. And I like it because God speaks to all of us in our day-to-day life. You know, in some of the strange things, not just the big ticket things like Moses and, and Daniel and Gideon and, and others. He's looking for faith through obedience, you know, in your own workplace. He's looking for faith through obedience in, in your university or in your school. He's looking for it in your family, even in your church and, and really in every part of, of your life. You know, your faith is revealed as when we say yes to God and, and what he's calling us to do and to be. God is calling us to do different things in the day-to-day routine. Perhaps he's pointing out a person at your work, you know, who's, uh, who's a bit difficult to love, probably lonely because of that. And he's t- telling you that you need to get along beside them. Or he's asking you to stand up for a person who gets talked about behind their back all the time. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe God's saying, hey, See if you can put that to an end or stand up for that person. Perhaps he's asking you to help someone out financially who's struggling. You know, you've got the the means to do it. It might mean you have to go without a certain thing that you're wanting to purchase or go to. Maybe he's asking us to do that. Perhaps it's forgiving someone who did wrong by you in your past. You, You know, you're still holding that grudge. Perhaps it's spending time with someone with an addiction or someone who's struggling to fit in. Maybe it's volunteering your time to use the gifts that God gave you. Perhaps it's giving up an addiction, you know, um, drugs or alcohol, pornography. Maybe you're addicted even to social media or spending money or eating or, or gossip or anger. Is your faith more than words? And say yes to what God is calling you to do. He will give you the strength to do it, by the way. He will give you what you need to overcome. It's going to be hard. But he'll get you there if you trust him, put your faith in him and do the hard work. Acknowledging God but ignoring what he's asking you to do is not faith. It becomes just words. Let me just finish with this point. Your ability to show faith through compassion will always be limited but how much you know, you're willing to receive it from God yourself. You're willing to receive his love and his compassion on you. How much you're willing to be good to yourself. 
There's a great quote from Brendan Manning. He says, Before I am asked to show compassion towards my brothers and sisters in their suffering, he asked me to accept his compassion in my own life, to be transformed by it, to become caring and compassionate towards myself in my own suffering and sinfulness, you know, in my own hurt, failure and need. The degree of our compassion for others depends upon our capacity for self-acceptance. I think this is a great quote because the call to be compassionate to others, it actually has to start with us. It has to start with receiving God's compassion and, being, and, and letting that actually uh, be real in, in us. You know, really believing God loves me so that I can love others. If you're struggling to love people, like James says, if your faith can't be seen by others, it's your starting point. Accept what God, that God loves you so much that he would rather die than not be in relationship with you. you know, receive that love that he has for you. Receive his forgiveness and compassion today. Receive the truth that you are loved, you know, that you are a person of immense value. You are made and created in God's image. You need to learn to be kind to yourself first because without that, Quite frankly, you'll always struggle to be kind to others. We're going to take some time to pray now along these lines. God, I thank you that you, that you first loved me. It's what your scriptures said. Even while I was still a sinner, you loved me. You know, you were reaching out to me with your love. You didn't remove that love. God, I thank you that you are good to me. You are a good father. Thank you that you show compassion for my um, struggles, for my sin, for my, for my hurts, for my failures. Um, Lord, your compassion is always there. You're always giving it. You're always showing it. It really is a verb in my opinion, Lord. I, I pray, God, that you will help me and everyone watching today to receive in our hearts deep down, how much you love us. God, I remember reading in John 17, I think it is, where you said, may we know that God loves us as much as he loves his son. You love us as much as you love Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for that. God, let that uh, fill our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will come now into every home Fill our hearts with your love and your compassion so that it may then also flow out of us, you know, like streams of living water into all of those around us. That's my prayer this morning. Amen. You know, uh, church, as we close this morning, I'm aware that it's easy to pray that prayer and uh, walk away. You know, you've got people sitting around with you perhaps and, and then nothing changes and you move on to lunch or something. It's like James said in chapter 1 about the man. He sees his reflection in the mirror, but he walks away and forgets what he looks like. And we do that too often with, with God. He does this amazing thing in us, and then we walk away from it. We forget. Well, if this moment today it has a bit of an impact on your life, I want to encourage you, you know, reach out to someone this week. Reach out to us. Pastor Stephen and I, we, we're happy to talk to you or, or Pastor Adam, perhaps if you're a youth or young adult, reach out to us. You can hit that prayer request button on the website. 
let us know how we can pray for you. You can tick the confidential button so we just keep it just to, uh, just to the pastors and we will pray for you. We'd be happy to talk to you also about anything that's on your mind. You know, we want to encourage you to grow in your faith, to grow in your love, to grow in your compassion. If it's a struggle for you, if you struggle to know that God loves you and to really understand it, if you struggle to love others around you, please come and see us. You know, there's no judgment for us. We just want, we want to encourage you, talk it through with you, pray with you. That's what we want to do. So don't miss that opportunity. Take it if, if you can. 